everyone and welcome to our insurance podcast. This is the first in a series of four discussions which will focus on the FCA's current business plan which was launched in July 2021. We are also going to be releasing a podcast on the FCA's current consultation on the new consumer duty of care as that's likely to be a key regulatory change project um, which firms need to gear up for next year. I'm Caroline Hunter-Yates, one of Simmons' contentious regulatory partners, and I'm joined today by Tom Makin, one of our contentious regulatory specialists, and also Sachin Dana, one of our competition investigation partners. Tom, Sachin and I are part of the Simmons team, which focuses on supporting insurance firms. So the FCA business plan, I mean, we know it's usually published uh, in April, but this year we were all told it was going to be delayed to July, and one of the things I was wondering about um, at the time was whether there was something interesting that was going to be the cause of the delay. And I think that was in my mind in part because the FCA had managed to publish um, last year's plan in the midst of a pandemic um, on time, albeit it was um, delightfully short. Now this year we're back to a normal length uh, plan. So I suppose my question, Tom, is did it contain any surprises? Well, I think we can say that this is um, one of the more interesting business plans. Um, the FCA is is very clear um, that it intends that things will be different going forward. It's intending to be more assertive, um, adaptive, and innovative as it puts it. Um, and indeed, when you when you watched um, Nikhil Rathi's presentation of the plan, he was in fact standing in front of the words assertive, adaptive, and innovative in um in a rather large font. Um, I think it's the assertiveness which has caught most people's attention. Um, and this was described by Nicole Rathi as um, demanding of the FCA um, a major realignment of its institutional mindset. So the FCA wants to be an organisation that sort of um, runs towards difficult and complex issues and tries to put the fires out quickly. Um, and it's recognising that this is going to require some change. Um, so they're seeking to build... Um, a regulator with a culture that embraces risk, is curious, acts decisively to tackle harmful behaviour as soon as they suspect um, that it's occurring. And that's actually quite a shift. I mean, I suppose to my mind, you know, I query, does it reflect the criticism that the FCA received over the past year, both from Elizabeth Gloucester in her review of the FCA's role in the London Capital Finance Collapse and also the Raj Parker review of the Connaught Funds, because both of them left the reader with a sense that the FCA was really blinkered in its thinking because of the limits of the regulatory perimeter. And the, F the Gloucester Review in particular highlighted the many missed opportunities that this led to. And at, at times, to be honest, it felt rather reminiscent of the Madoff whistleblower, which the SEC routinely dis um, dismissed. And of course, we've also recently seen the upper tribunal overturn a fine based on lack of integrity against the CEO of a small mutual insurer. So I suppose, Tom, I'm questioning, you know, are we likely to see more FSA, um, sorry, FCA losses in the future? Um, I, I think if the FCA is going to be taken at its word, then then we will. The business plan is quite clear that the FCA is, is intending to um, test its powers to their limit. And so logically it's not always going to win legal challenges where it's where it's pushing its boundaries um the cultural shift is going um to be i think both within the fca and politically um for that not to be seen as a failure um the fca also flagged the litigation strategy 
that it adopted on the business interruption test case uh, as one that it wants to um, to use going forward. And that was quite a novel piece of litigation um, that was kicked off by the FCA promptly. Uh, it was conducted on an expedited time frame. Um, so the trial and the Supreme Court appeal um, took um, nose to tail about eight months. And I think it would be fair to say from our team that worked on the test case that the FCA was really quite an aggressive litigator um, and that the litigation was progressed with the, the kind of um, speed and efficiency that we don't necessarily experience um, when we are on the other side of an FCA enforcement investigation. Yeah, I mean, you, your point about speed is an interesting one because alongside the business plan, the FCA also published its report and accounts and that gave us a few headlines in terms of current FCA workloads and also the effect that the pandemic um, has had. I suppose two points I would highlight on that. Well, the, the first is actually the, the drop in number of um, total open cases, which is down from 645 to 593. And what we also see is that there have been fewer financial penalties in the pandemic year. They've actually only had um, two thirds of the number of financial penalties announced in the previous two years. So it does look a bit like the FCA has been seeking to close more cases without imposing a fine. But the second point is that the sort of average length of an FCA enforcement investigation has, has to some extent, only increased slightly um, year on year. It's now up at um, 24 months on average. So I suppose the point to take away from that is it's it's not a quick process and it continues not to be a quick process. But moving back to the business plan, I mean, Tom, do we actually get a sense from the FCA of how they're going to achieve this change? Yeah, there are a number of things that the FCA mentions. One is its um, data strategy and the significant investment that it's making in technology. And you mentioned um, a moment ago the Gloucester review, and we saw from that how uh, hampered the FCA seemed to be with its its technology, its systems, and how siloed different parts of the FCA were and the challenges that that posed to it. So by upgrading its approach to data and technology, the FCA is aiming to be a more data-driven organisation and it's anticipating that that will help it to stop harm more quickly. Yeah, and the data point is interesting because we know that um, if you look at, I think there's 14 MIFID transaction reporting file notices so far, and you can see from those that the more data that the regulator requires, the more likely it is that firms don't manage to capture all of it and report correctly. And there it's led to some very large fines against banks, you know, in the tens of millions. And it seems likely that that is going to tip over into the wider market to the extent more and more data is required to be reported. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that the, the cross-market issues that the FCA has said it will focus on include financial resilience, improving diversity and inclusion, uh, and, and enabling a, a more sustainable financial future. And those are going to be key areas for firms to focus on. And we're going to talk more about diversity and inclusion in one of our later podcasts. Just on financial resilience, it's worth flagging that this is one of the areas where the FCA is hoping that its improved approach to data analysis will allow it to combine financial resilience data with the other data that the FCA holds so that so so that it can target its interventions at the root cause of firms financial risks and the interesting point there is I think if the FCA is looking at um, data that it holds that is not necessarily the same as as the data that firms are looking at to spot issues 
um, relating to financial resilience. So it's going to be interesting to see if the FCA pops up with queries to firms that it's ident- um, about risks that it's identified um, using data that it has that firms aren't necessarily looking at and what the regulators' expectations are going to be there. Yeah, and you never know, we may get some guidance um, down the line on that. Thanks, Tom. I mean, I should say one of the things, of course, we haven't touched on so far, which is incredibly important, is the FCA's competition focus and how that might play out for firms in the next year or so. Um, Sachin, can you just give us a few high-level thoughts on that? Thanks, Caroline. Yes, absolutely. Um, The FCA's competition focus has and will continue to be on the best outcomes for consumers. Now, that does not necessarily mean only a focus on B to C relationships. Whilst there has been a focus on retail insurance by both the FCA and the generalist competition regulator, the Competition and Markets Authority, the FCA in particular has not been shy of examining various wholesale markets from corporate investment banking through to the provision of wholesale markets data. So the wholesale insurance market has to date, by and large, not really been under the gaze of the FCA. Uh, Whilst enforcement action during COVID has been quite limited in the competition world at least, Insurance market participants should nevertheless continue to be aware of competition law compliance as the FCA's competition enforcement arm is focused and will be focused on bringing more cases. And the insurance space is one that to date, there hasn't really been a major regulatory incursion by the FCA. And the point slightly left hanging there, I suppose, is please make sure that you're not the first firm uh, to fill that space and be in the spotlight. Um, Well, thank you, Tom and Sachin, for sharing your thoughts. I I do hope our listeners have found this interesting and useful. Our next discussion is going to be on the FCA's governance expectations for firms and their senior managers. uh, And we really do hope that you can join us. Thank you.